Chapter Seventeen of the Rebel of the School by Mrs. L. T. Mead. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen: Miss Katie O'Flynn and Her Niece. Now, Kathleen said, Miss O'Flynn, you come straight up to my bedroom, where there is a cosy fire, and where we will be just as snug as punch. We'll draw two chairs up to the fire and have a real colleague that we will yes that we will said kathleen i have a lot of things to ask you and a lot of things to tell you come along then my dear child my room is on the second floor we won't wait for the lift kathleen took miss katie o'flynn's hand and they ran merrily and as lightly as two-year-olds up the stairs people turned to look at them as they sped upward why the little old lady seems as young and agile as the pretty niece said one visitor to another oh they're both irish that accounts for anything was the answer the most extraordinary and the most lively nation on the face of the earth the two vivacious irish women entered their bedroom aunt katie flung herself into a deep armchair kathleen did likewise and then they talked to their hearts content it is good to hear two irish women conversing together for there is so much action in the conversation such lifting of brows such raising of hands such emphasis in tone in voice in manner imagery is so freely employed telling sentences sharp satire wit brilliant overflowing spontaneous all come to the fore laughter sometimes checks the eager flow of words occasionally too if the conversation is sorrowful tears flow and sobs come from the excited and oversensitive hearts no one need be dull who has the privilege of listening to two irish women who have been parted for some time talking their hearts out to each other kathleen and her aunt were no exception to the universal rule kathleen had never been from home before and aunt katie had things to tell her about every person man and woman old and young on the carrigohane estate but when all the news had been told when the exact number of dogs had been recounted the cats and the kittens described the fowls the goats the donkeys the horses the cows enumerated it came to be aunt katie's turn to listen now my love tell me and be quick about all you have been doing and first and foremost how do you like the school not at all auntie i'm not learning anything my dear that is sad hearing and your poor father pining his heart out for the want of you i never wish to go to school said kathleen you will have to bear it now my pet unless you have real cause for complaint they are not unkind to you acushla are they oh not really aunt katie but they are such dull people the teachers are dull i don't mind miss spicer so much she's the music teacher as to miss ravenscroft i have never even seen her and who is she darling the head mistress and no end of a toff 
what's a toff, dear? It's a slang word they use in stupid old England. I don't admire it, my love. Don't you demean yourself by bringing words of that sort home to Carrigohane? Not I. I shan't be a minute in the old place before the salt breezes will blow England out of my memory. Ah, it is I who pine to be home again. It will broaden your mind, Kathleen, and improve you. And some of the English people are very nice entirely, said Miss O'Flynn, making this last statement in what she considered a widely condescending manner. So you are not learning much. I am getting on with my music. Perhaps I'll settle down to work. I should not loathe it so much if it was not for Alice. Ah, she's the daughter of Mrs. Tennant. I rather took to Mrs. Tennant, the creature. She seemed to have a kind-hearted sort of face. She's as right as rain, Auntie, and so are the two boys. But Alice, she is... What, darling? A prig, Auntie. Detestable. I never took to that sort, said Miss O'Flynn. Wouldn't you like some oyster patties and some plum cake to munch while you are talking, dearie? I shouldn't mind. I'll ring an order then. A servant appeared. Miss O'Flynn gave orders, which resulted in a rich and most unwholesome supper being placed upon the table. Kathleen and her aunt ate while they talked. And what occupies you, love, at all, at all? said Miss O'Flynn, as she ate her second oyster pate. From your description, it seems to be a sort of death in life, that town of Merrifield. I have to make my own diversions, Auntie, and they are sprightly and entertaining enough. Don't you remember when I told you to have all those little hearts made for me? To be sure, dear. The most extraordinary idea I ever heard in my life. Only that I never cross you, Kathleen. I'd have written to know the meaning of it. It doesn't matter about you knowing. Here Kathleen briefly, and in graphic language, described the society of the wild Irish girls. It is the one thing that keeps me alive, she said. However, I'm guessing they are going to make a fuss about it in the school. And what will you do then, core of my heart? Stick to them, of course, Auntie. You don't suppose I'd begin a thing and then drop it? No, that wouldn't be at all like you, you young rebel. Kathleen laughed. I am all in a puzzle, she said, to know where to hold the next meeting, for there is no doubt that some of the girls who hate us, because they weren't asked to join, spied last time. So I want the society to meet the night after next in a new place. And I'll tell you what I've been thinking, said Aunt Katie, that I'll be present and bring a sparkle of old Ireland to help the whole affair, so you'll have to reckon with me on the occasion of the next meeting. Kathleen sat very still, her face thoughtful. Nothing will induce me to give them up, she said, or to betray any girl of my society. Oh, Auntie, there's such a funny old woman. I met her last Sunday. She's a certain Mrs. Church, and she lives in a cottage about four miles from Merrifield. We could have our meetings there. I know we could. 
and she'd never tell nobody would guess she is the great-aunt of one of the members of the society susie hopkins a nice little girl a tradesman's daughter oh dear me kathleen you don't mean to say you demean yourselves by associating with tradesmen's daughters i do so auntie and i find them very much nicer than the stuck-up girls who think no end of themselves well well said miss o'flynn whatever you are you are a lady born and bred and nothing can lower that sort nothing nor nobody you must make your own plans and let me know i am sure i can manage the old lady and i will tell you why she wants to join our alms women what you know what a snug time our dear old alms women have i was telling mrs church about it last sunday she took a keen desire to belong to us and i sort of half in a kind of way promised her is there likely to be a vacancy soon aunt katie well dear there is a vacancy at the present moment mrs hagan breathed her last poor soul and was waked not a fortnight ago we'd better wire to your father to keep the little cottage vacant until we know more this is going to be interesting and you may be quite sure that if there is going to be a lark that i'm the one to help you my colleen kathleen and her aunt talked until late into the night and when the young girl laid her head on a pillow she was lost immediately in profound slumber it was not at all difficult for kathleen to wake early and accompanied by miss o'flynn she arrived at merrifield at half-past eight on the following morning she had no time however to change her dress but after washing her hands and smoothing out her tangled hair and by leaving miss o'flynn in the care of mrs tennant who to tell the truth found her considerably in the way kathleen accompanied by alice started for school you'll catch it said alice oh that's very likely darling said kathleen but i don't think i care did you see miss ravenscroft last night and was she very very angry i saw her and she was more than angry she was astonished i think you will have to put up with a rather serious conversation with her this morning she asked me questions with regard to you and your doings which of course i could not answer but you will have to answer them i don't think particularly well of you kathleen your ways are not my ways nor your ideas mine but i don't think bad as you are that you would tell a lie you'll have to speak out the truth to miss ravenscroft kathleen and no mistake about it thank you replied kathleen i think i can manage my own affairs she added and then she was silent not exactly cross but lost in thought the girls reached the school without any further adventure prayers were held as usual in the great hall and then the members of the different classes went to their places and the work of the morning began the work went on and to look at those girls all stood fast and attentive and studious looking it was difficult to realize that in some of their hearts was a wild rebellion and a naughty and ever-increasing sense of mischief certainly it was difficult to realize that one at least of that member 
was determined to have her own way at any cost that another was extremely anxious resolved to tell the truth and hoping against hope that she would not be questioned school had very nearly come to an end when the dread summons which both ruth craven and alice tennant expected arrived for kathleen she was to go to speak to miss ravenscroft in that lady's parlour miss ravenscroft is waiting said the mistress who brought kathleen the message will you be quick kathleen as she is rather in a hurry kathleen got up with apparent alacrity her face looked sunshiny and genial as she passed ruth she put her hand on her shoulder and said in her most pleasant voice extraordinary thing miss ravenscroft has sent for me i wonder what for ruth coloured and looked down one or two of the girls glanced round at kathleen in amazement she did not say anything further but left the room when she got into the passage she hummed a little air the teacher who had summoned her had gone on in front kathleen followed her at a respectable distance and still humming the wearing of the green she knocked at miss ravenscroft's door miss ravenscroft was standing by her window she turned when kathleen appeared and desired her to sit down kathleen dropped into a chair miss ravenscroft did likewise then miss ravenscroft spoke gently for in spite of herself kathleen's attractive face the wilful daring and yet affectionate glance in the eyes attracted her she had not yet had a full and perfect view of kathleen she had seen it is true the pretty little girl in a crowd of others but now she saw kathleen by herself the face was undoubtedly sweet sweet with a radiance which surprised and partly fascinated miss ravenscroft your name she said kathleen o'hara replied kathleen she rose to her feet and dropped a little bobbing curtsy then waited to be asked to sit down again miss ravenscroft did not invite her to reseat herself she spoke quietly turning her eyes away from the attractive little face and handsome figure i sent for you last night and you did not obey my command why so i did not mean to be rude said kathleen you see it was this way my aunt from ireland miss o'flynn is her name miss katie o'flynn was staying at the metropole i had a telegram from her desiring me to go to her immediately in town i got your note after i had read the telegram it seemed to me that i ought to go first to my aunt she is my mother's own sister and such a darling you couldn't but love her if you saw her you might think me a little rude not to come to you when you sent for me but aunt katie would have been hurt terribly fearfully hurt she might even have cried kathleen raised her brows as she said the last word her face expressed consternation and a trifle of amazement miss ravenscroft felt as though smiles were very near even suppose your aunt had cried she said your duty was to me as your headmistress please said kathleen i did not think it was i thought my duty was to my aunt miss ravenscroft was silent for a minute my dear 
she said gently. You are new to the school. You have doubtless indulged in a very free and easy and unconventional life in your own country. I was once in Ireland, in the West, and I liked the people and the land, and the ways of the people and the looks of the land, and for the sake of that visit I am not going to be hard on the little Irish girl during her first sojourn in the school. In future, Kathleen O'Hara, I must insist on instant obedience. I will forgive you for your disregard of my message last night, but I ever I require you again, I shall expect you to come to me at once. For the present, we will forget last night. Thank you, madam. I am sure I should love you very much if I knew you well. That is not the question, my dear. I must insist on your treating me with respect. It is not very easy to know the headmistress. The girls know her up to a certain point, but personal friendship, as between one woman and another, cannot quite exist between a little girl and her headmistress. Yes, my dear, I hope you will love me, but in the sense of one who is set in authority over you. That is my position, and I hope as long as I live to do my duty. Now then, Kathleen, I will speak to you about the other matter which obliged me to send you a message last night. Thank you, ma'am, said Kathleen. She looked down, so that the fun in her eyes could not be seen. I am sure from your face that you will not tell me a lie. No, said Kathleen, I won't tell you a lie. I must, however, ask you one or two direct questions. It is true that you have encouraged certain girls in this school. Oh, I encourage all the girls. I know, poor things. I... Don't interrupt me, Kathleen. I have more to say. Is it true that you encourage certain girls in this school? Here Miss Ravenscroft put up her hand to check Kathleen's words. To rebellion and insubordination? I don't know what insubordination is, said Kathleen, shaking her head. Is it true, continued the headmistress, that you have started a society which is called by some ridiculous name, such as the Wild Irish Girls, and that you meet each week in a quarry a short distance from town, that you have got rules and badges, that you sing naughty songs and altogether misbehave yourselves? Is it true? Kathleen closed her lips firmly together. Miss Ravenscroft looked full at her. Kathleen then spoke slowly. How did you hear that we do what you say we do? I do not intend to name my information. The girls who have joined your society and are putting themselves under your influence are the sort of girls who in a school like this get most injured by such proceedings. They have never been accustomed to self-restraint. They have not been guided to control themselves. Of all the girls in the school, whom you, Miss O'Hara, have tried to injure, you have selected the foundationers, who have only been to board schools before they came here. They look up to you as above them by birth. Your very way, your words, can influence them. Wrong from your lips will appear right, and right will appear wrong. You yourself are an ignorant and unlearned child, and yet you attempt to guide others. 
this society must be broken up immediately i will forgive you for the past if you promise me that you will never hold another meeting but as long as you are at the school you will not encourage another girl to join the society you will have to give me your word and that before you leave this room i do not require you to betray your companions i do not even ask their names but i demand your promise which i insist on the irish girls or the wild irish girls whatever you like to call them must cease to exist miss ravenscroft ceased speaking is that all said kathleen what do you mean i want your promise but i have nothing to say you are not stupid kathleen o'hara i can see that and i should hope you are too much of a lady to be impertinent what do you mean to do indeed said kathleen i don't mean to be impertinent and i don't want to tell a lie the best way on the present occasion is to be silent i can't give myself or the other girls in the school away you ask me to make you a promise i cannot make that promise i am sorry perhaps i had better leave the school no kathleen you cannot leave it in the ordinary way you are connected with other girls now your influence must be publicly withdrawn i had hoped to spare you this but if you defy me you know the consequences may i go now said kathleen you may for the present i must consult with the other teachers it may even be necessary to call a meeting of the board of governors your conduct requires stringent measures but my child and here miss ravenscroft changed her voice to one of gentleness and entreaty you will not be so silly so wicked so perverse kathleen it is sometimes a hard thing to give up your own way but i think an irish girl can be noble you will be very noble now if you cease to belong to the irish girls society wild irish girls is the name said kathleen you must give it up it was a mad and silly scheme you must have nothing more to do with it kathleen slightly shook her head miss ravenscroft uttered a deep sigh i am afraid i must go said kathleen i think you have spoken to me very kindly i should like to have been able to oblige you and you won't kathleen shook her head again the next moment she had left the room the school was nearly over but whether it had been or not kathleen had not the slightest idea of returning to her classroom she stood for a moment in one of the corridors to collect her thoughts then going to the room where the hats and jackets hung on pegs she took down her own put them on and left the school she walked fast and reached mrs tennant's house at a quarter to one both mrs tennant and miss o'flynn were out there was a message for kathleen to say that miss o'flynn expected her to be ready to go to town with her immediately after dinner kathleen smiled to herself dear aunt katie she must get me out of this scrape but as to thinking of giving up girls whom i meant to help and will help i wouldn't do it for twenty miss ravenscrofts she stood at the door of the house then a sudden idea struck her and as she saw the girls filing out of the school 
she crossed the common and met susy hopkins her satchel of books flung over her shoulder ah susy here i am i want to speak to you susy ran up to her in excitement it was already whispered in the school that the secret proceedings which becoming known it had also been whispered from one to another that Kathleen had undergone a formidable interview with Miss Ravenscroft that very morning. "'What is it, Kathleen?' said Susie. "'Was she very, very cross?' "'Who do you mean?' asked Kathleen, instantly on the defensive. "'Miss Ravenscroft, you went to see her. Everyone knows it. What did she say?' "'That is my affair. But, Susie, I want you to do something.' We must not go to the quarry tomorrow evening. We want to have the meeting at your aunt's. I want to go to Mrs. Church's. You must run around this afternoon and make arrangements. There'll be about thirty or forty of us, and we must all be smuggled into the cottage. Oh dear, said Susie, but how are we going to get there? It's four miles away. Well, I suppose those who are really interested can walk four miles. I certainly can. Susie, you had better not miss it tomorrow night, for Aunt Katie O'Flynn is to be present, and there's no saying what she will do. She will help us if anyone can. She is ever so kind and so interested. It will be the greatest meeting the society has ever had. I wouldn't miss it myself for the world. Oh, hurrah! said Susie. You certainly are a splendid girl, Kathleen and won't aunt church be pleased tell her that if she wants to get one of those little almshouses she had better oblige us as far as she can said kathleen now i must rush back to dinner i am going to town afterwards without waiting for susie's reply kathleen turned on her heel and returned home susie watched her for a minute then slowly and gravely went in the direction of her mother's shop Mrs. Hopkins was getting in fresh stock that morning, and the little shop looked brighter and fresher than it had done for some time. It was a beautiful day in the beginning of winter, with that feeling of summer in the air which comes to cheer us now and then in November. Susie marched through the shop, still swinging her satchel. "'I wish you wouldn't do that, Susie,' said her mother, "'and I wish, too, that you wouldn't always be late home.' be quick now there's peas pudding and pork for dinner tom is in a hurry to be off to his football oh bother said susie mrs hopkins frowned susie in her mother's opinion was not quite so nice and comforting as she once had been but it was not mrs hopkins way to reproach her children she bore her burden with regard to them as silently and patiently as she could Susie ran up to her room, tossed off her hat, washed her hands, and came down. Sue, the three, were seated at their frugal dinner. "'You seem to have gotten a lot of fresh goods, mother,' said Tom. "'I have,' said Miss Hopkins with a groan. "'But I haven't paid for one of them. Parkins says he will trust me for quite a month. But, however, I am to pay your Aunt Church.' and keep enough money for the new goods beats me sometimes i think that my burden is greater than i can bear i have often had a feeling 
that i ought to give up the shop and take service somewhere i used to be noted as the best of good housekeepers when i was young oh no mother you mustn't do that said susy what would tom and i do if it wasn't for you and tom i'd give notice to-morrow said the widow but there we must hope for the best i suppose god never forsakes those who trust him mother said susy suddenly i hope you will be able to spare me this afternoon i want to go and see aunt church why should you do that child there's no way for you to go except on your legs and it's a weary walk and the days are getting short all the same i must go said susy i suppose you couldn't shut up the shop and come with me could you mother shut up the shop said mrs hopkins what next will the child ask not a bit of it susan but what do you want to see your aunt for it is a little private message in connection with miss kathleen o'hara it means money mother of that i am certain it means that aunt church will forgive you last month's instalment of the debt and perhaps next month's too you had best let me go mother i am not talking without knowledge i can't tell you what i know i know something said tom and he gave utterance to a low whistle susy turned and glanced at her brother in some uneasiness there are a deal of funny things whispered about your school just now he said i'm not going to peach of course only you'd best be look out they say if it got to the governor's ears every foundation in the place would be expelled it is something that ought not to be done don't mind him mother do you think i'd do anything to endanger my continuing at the school after all the trouble and care and anxiety you had in getting me placed there really child said miss hopkins i don't know the wilfulness of young folks in these days is past enduring but you had better clearly understand susy that if for any reason you are dismissed from the school there is nothing whatever for you but to take a place as a servant and that you wouldn't like i should think not indeed well mother to avoid all these consequences i must go as fast as i can to see aunt church End of chapter 17